Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my final podcast in my series on Mary and Joseph. We have learned that both Mary and Joseph were Jewish, and they spoke Aramaic. Mary's Hebrew Aramaic name would have been Miriam, Joseph's name, Yosef, and Jesus's name would have been Yeshua, which can be transliterated as Joshua. Mary and Joseph most likely were what is called the peasant class, which made up about 90% of the population. Mary and Joseph, we believe, were both born in Nazareth, a tiny town of about 1,600 people, 90 miles north of Jerusalem. While it's doubtful that Mary knew how to read or write, Joseph may have. Literacy among women was extremely rare at the time. The culture, therefore, was highly oral. There would be public readings of the Old Testament scriptures and the telling of stories, the recitation of poems, the singing of songs, and this is how they learned, through memorization and repetition. So we know Mary and women like her would have learned from a young age of the many prophecies about the coming Christ child, and each woman held the hope that she would be the one to carry that promised seed of the Messiah. In today's podcast, we'll continue to look at the places in the Bible that mention Mary and Joseph, and we'll discuss what we learn about them from these passages. As we discussed, Matthew's account of Jesus's birth seems to be told from Joseph's point of view. Matthew is the one, for example, that tells us that Joseph, upon hearing the news of Mary's pregnancy and knowing the child was not his, decided to quietly divorce Mary. We learn so much about Joseph in this statement from Matthew, chapter 1, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, which, by the way, was his right by law, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We then learn from Matthew that while Joseph did consider divorce, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and said, quote, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, 20 through 21. And we know that Joseph, just like Mary, is obedient to God's will, and he does take Mary as his wife. We also learn from Matthew that Joseph descends from the line of King David. When the angel addressed Joseph, he actually said, did you hear this? Joseph, son of David. Now, why is this important for Matthew to include in his gospel account? Well, Matthew was writing his gospel for a mostly Jewish audience. And remember, 
The Jews know the Old Testament. They've known it since they were little. They've memorized it. The Jewish audience knows the importance of genealogy because they know the prophecies say the Messiah will descend from King David's line. Number of examples of this prophecy. First is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 through 16. And this is where the prophet Nathan is speaking to King David about his future reign. He's talking about his son Solomon and also about the fact his kingdom will reign forever. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul when I removed from him before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, and your throne will be established forever. And then they would know Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Jesse is King David's father. And then we have Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 through 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior, unquote. So, the fact that the angel addressed Joseph as son of David, which most likely Joseph had never been called before because his father's name is actually Jacob, not David. This would have perked up Joseph's ears. Wait, what did he just call me? Son of David? And of course, you can well imagine that as the angel is unfolding this story to Joseph of an immaculate conception, Joseph, because he knows the Bible, is able to piece together this incredible revelation that has just been given to him. Whoa, yes, technically, I guess I am the son of David. He's my ancestor. And while what the angel is telling him had to be shocking, I think that because both Mary and Joseph knew the Old Testament by memory, they would almost find this miracle easier to believe than if it were us to receive this news because they had God's words on their lips day and night. Honestly, when we don't know the Bible, it's much harder for us to believe God and his truth, isn't it? We also learn from Matthew's gospel the story of Joseph being told by an angel in a dream to take his family to Egypt for safety because of the threat being made on the child's life by King Herod. And then we learn there's another angel that appears to Joseph when the coast is clear, and Joseph obediently returns the family to Israel with the intention of actually moving back to Bethlehem. 
But then Matthew tells us Joseph is yet communicated to again in a dream to not go back to Bethlehem, but instead to go to Nazareth. And each time, Joseph does what the angel tells him to do. Doesn't that speak volumes about his faith and his character? In Matthew's gospel, after the family returns to Nazareth from their time in Egypt, we don't hear anything more about Joseph, Jesus's earthly father. Luke, however, gives us a few more stories. We learn from Luke, for example, that Mary and Joseph kept the Jewish holidays and traditions, and they had Jesus circumcised when he was eight days old, and they took the baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it was written in the law of Moses. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated or offered to the Lord. And Luke says that when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Now, here's a side note. We actually believe this is after they came back from Egypt. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him, unquote. Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem. Remember, this is about an 80-, 90-mile trek every year for Passover, which means Mary and Joseph were raising Jesus in a devout Jewish household, and they kept all the Jewish holidays. The story of Jesus staying behind in the temple when he was 12 years old, that's the last time we have any mention by any of the gospel authors of Joseph. Three days later, when they find Jesus in the synagogue, it's Mary who exclaims, quote, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you, unquote. Last time we hear about Joseph. Joseph is not mentioned being around when Jesus begins his ministry. Therefore, it's strongly believed that Joseph died sometime before Jesus was the age of 30. And some scholars point to Simeon. Now, he was that old man who greeted Mary and Joseph in the temple. And they think it is rather prophetic that Simeon does not address Joseph, only Mary. Listen to what he says. So this is in Luke chapter 2, verses 33 through 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, unquote. Notice he doesn't say anything about Joseph's pain of loss. And when Jesus is dying on the cross, We learn from the gospel that Mary is present, but there's no mention of Joseph. And this is why Jesus, we believe, entrusts the care of his mother to his disciple John, because Joseph is no longer alive. Okay, what kind of dad was Joseph? Well, from the gospel writer of John, it seems clear 
that Joseph was viewed by others as legitimately being Jesus' dad. This is John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, unquote. It's interesting when you think of the role that Joseph played. He really is Jesus' stepfather, isn't he? And yet, Joseph sets such a godly example of what a father should be. I like how the website All About God talks about Joseph. They say, quote, I think we can imagine that Joseph's influence on Jesus during those early years must have been incredible because when Jesus spoke of God as being like a loving father, it seems that Jesus must have been drawing on his own experience. Joseph stands as a testimony to the value of integrity, obedience to God, faithfulness to God's laws, and especially to honoring the entrusted role of fatherhood, regardless of whether the child is your actual flesh and blood, unquote. Now, unlike Joseph, Mary is still mentioned in the Gospels as Jesus enters his ministry and even after his death and resurrection. The Gospel writer John tells us that Mary was at a wedding in Cana and asked Jesus to perform what ends up being his first miracle, the turning of water into wine. And there are a few other times when Jesus' family, Mary, and Jesus' siblings are mentioned For example, there's this one mention in Mark chapter 3, verse 31, and this is where, poor Jesus, he's being accused of basically being crazy and being possessed by Beelzebub, and this is what Mark says, quote, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you, unquote. I actually just love this small passage because I can picture it. I think it shows how concerned Jesus' mom and his brothers were for him and his safety. Isn't this what families do? We try to protect each other, and what a tough job they had. We learn from the Gospel of John, as I said before, that Mary, Jesus' mother, was at the cross when he was crucified. Can you even imagine? And it's just as that old man Simeon had told her in the temple, a sword will pierce your own soul too. John tells us, quote, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And we believe that that was the Apostle John. And Luke tells us that after Jesus ascended into heaven, Mary was present with his disciples when they were staying. And this is this period of time of 10 days 
between the resurrection and Pentecost. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, unquote. After Pentecost, Mary disappears from the Bible accounts. There are those that believe it's most likely she was present at Pentecost. But the rest of her life is shrouded in legend and mystery. Many theologians feel that the gospel writer Luke must have spoken to Mary at some point to be able to get that firsthand account of what happened at Jesus' birth. We don't know definitively, but Luke does tell us at the beginning of his gospel that he's carefully investigated everything he wrote. So there's a church belief that Mary moved to Ephesus, which is in Turkey, with the apostle John. Remember, Jesus told John to take care of his mother. We don't know the rest of Mary's story. But here's what we do know. Mary was obedient to the will of God. She witnessed the miracle of the Holy Spirit descending upon her. She experienced a virgin birth of Jesus. Mary witnessed the many miracles performed by her son. She witnessed the oppression of the Jewish people, the distrust and the misunderstanding of her son by the religious elite, and she was there to witness the eventual execution of her son. You know, she's not among the world's powerful. She is simply, as she said in her own words, God's maidservant. But she believes, because she has witnessed it firsthand, nothing is impossible for God. Mary and Joseph both comforted Jesus as he entered this world. They stood by him as he grew up. They taught him. They loved him. And Mary, she stood by him as he died on the cross and rose again and then permanently left her to return to the Father. Mary devoted herself to being there for her son through birth, death, and beyond. In summary, what have we learned from Mary and Joseph? Well, I think Mary and Joseph both taught us how to surrender to the will of God. They taught us how to trust God even when it does not make sense. They taught us how to wait. Yes, Jesus was the Son of God, but he wouldn't enter his ministry until he was 30 years old. That's a long time to wait. They had to be patient. They had to wait on God's perfect timing. Mary and Joseph walked the walk. You know, they held their heads high despite the rumors. You know, that unplanned pregnancy. And what about those bizarre visitors who came to see their son? And the death threats from King Herod? The visits from angels? The threats from the religious elite? the eventual death and resurrection of their son. Mary and Joseph didn't always know where they were going, but they kept walking. As we enter a new year, 
may not always know where we're going either. But let's get better at walking the walk and let God direct our path. Have a blessed day.